0: Royal Rumble, 30 superstars step inside the square circle for a chance to battle the WWF champion at WrestleMania. And we're going to be going all the way back to the year 2000, January 23rd, 2000 to be exact. We're going to be heading over to the Madison Square Garden where not only do we have the patented Royal Rumble match, we're also going to be talking about Triple H versus Cactus Jack. If you're a wrestling fan, this makes a lot of sense. If you're not, why does that guy have three H's and who the hell is Cactus Jack? We're going to be talking about that right now on another exciting episode of A Cast of the Past with a brand new episode each and every Sunday, we love to talk about video games and movies, and we got a lot of stuff in the archives, but we're also passionate wrestling fans. And last year, we talked about SummerSlam. This one, we're going to be talking about the Royal Rumble with yours truly, Juan Velas from Puerto Rico. Joining me, we have our patented professional wrestling expert, Keith Hamilton. Keith, Hi. you're the person that picked this show. And dare I say... This was like one of our first ever conversation pieces. Not just wrestling, but something about this pay-per-view always got you talking. Why is that? I can't
1: really put a finger on it, but this is a show that's just really, really special to me. I think it's a combination of my wrestling fandom in around the year 2000 and how one of my favorite matches ever is on this show. But I always go back and look at this show very fondly. And when... uh. When I'm talking about wrestling and the things that I enjoy about it, this is always very, very high on the list of conversation pieces. And
0: then from Boston, Massachusetts, we have Ryan McNulty. Ryan, could you explain why is the Royal Rumble match so special? We have all the pay-per-views and they all have their main events or opening matches, but this is completely, completely unique. Why do wrestling fans love it so much?
2: I think the Royal Rumble is just a very fun, unique match type, you know, certain pay-per-views. There's a few of them out there that do have a special match associated with them. You could look at Survivor Series for the elimination tag match, but the Royal Rumble is great for a number of reasons. You have 30 superstars coming out in, you know, every couple minutes and it goes until everyone's been eliminated over the top rope except for one person and that one person gets a main event spot at WrestleMania. So the stakes are really high. There's not really any other match that has such a a crazy reward to just guarantee you a main event at the biggest show of the year. So for that reason alone and the fact that pretty much you you get this match only one time of year, it feels very special.
1: It does, and the WWE and F has done an amazing job of building up this road to WrestleMania, WrestleMania being their biggest show of the year. If you're at all a wrestling fan, it's kind of put on this very high plateau of a, of a special event. So the Royal Rumble marks the beginning of this road to WrestleMania. So if you're a person that gets excited about WrestleMania, this is like the point to start your excitement. You start to see WrestleMania take shape at the Royal Rumble every year and I think that has uh, a lot to do of why this match is looked on so fondly by myself included just because it's kind of the beginning of this period of wrestling that you can just kind of go all in and that ends at Wrestlemania like I love it it doesn't matter how much wrestling sucks or how good it is I will always get excited of the period starting at the Royal Rumble between WrestleMania. It's just something that just sucks me in, and I'll always enjoy it, and it'll get my full, undivided attention.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it is that it's like a multi-layer match, because in wrestling, you usually have one-on-one matches and tag team matches. And there, the objectivists get a one, two, three, right? But here, it's like, who are the first two participants? So. Even though this uh, pay-per-view does have other matches, I do think it's worth pointing out just explaining, right? So the Rumble, 30 entrants, but then every 90 seconds, 60 seconds, 120, depends on, on the Rumble, a new entrant comes in. So it's always like, oh, who's going who's gonna to be the next one? Who's going to get number 30? Statistically speaking, you know, who has won most years? You get a ton of surprises. And taking us to this very pay-per-view, it took place in Madison Square Garden, and for those who don't know, MSG has always had this uh, just like beautiful bond with professional wrestling. It's like a small arena fits an average of like twelve thousand, fifteen thousand people, give or take. It's, it's been home many...
1: base for the WWF. Yeah.
0: it's home base. It's where a lot of it began, and nowadays you don't really see a lot of shows in Madison Square Garden unless they're non televised, and that's because. New York, the way they run it, you have to actually rent out their staff and their equipment. So it's like super expensive if WWE wants to do something televised or pay per view there. But back in the day, the tradition was like, hey, you want to do a big show? You do it in Madison Square Garden. Uh, What did that arena mean to you guys as wrestling fans?
1: You always knew it was something big that was going to happen when they were inside Madison Square Garden. I mean, it's the birthplace of WrestleMania. It's like you mentioned, where the WWF really got its... uh, It became the tyrant that it is today with people like Hulk Hogan and Bruno Sammartino and Bob Backlund uh, wrestling there for their big championship matches. But they always kind of kick it up a notch when they go to Madison Square Garden. And you don't see it much anymore because of the production issues that you mentioned. But even like in non-televised live events, you always hear about stories about Madison Square Garden. It's like this building has been mystified and just how incredible it is.
2: Yeah, I always appreciated how WWE would utilize the little tunnel that Madison Square Garden had, and that always made it feel more unique than anyone else. Um, Any other area, Uh, like for instance, at this pay-per-view, you always saw the cool little alleyway that they built, like where the entrance was right behind the ring, when normally the, the main camera when you're watching a wrestling event, the ramp and where wrestler wrestlers would come out would be to the left of like the hard cam screen. So it always just was that nice little unique flair. Um uh, Madison Square Garden has just always been an important piece for the WWF slash WWE. I was fortunate enough to go there one time for a comedy show. So I didn't go there for a wrestling event, but it was very mm-hmm. cool to just be in that arena um for the first
1: time.
0: I, actually I got in to be Madison there Madison uh, Square for one. Garden.
1: Yeah, same here. I was there when U.S. President Donald Trump was, ele- er, uh, not elected, uh, inducted. Was, uh, was inducted like, really? into the WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame inside of Madison Square Garden.
0: It is a truly iconic place. And the other thing that's very interesting. So we talked about games that came out 20 years ago. That episode is available and the audio car- archives. It's available On the YouTube channel and you can leave a five-star review if you enjoy the podcast we try to cover a little bit of everything because I think it's cool right to go back like think about the year 2000 not only was it awesome for video games but for wrestling you were still in the attitude era but it was a very weird time because the attitude era is that period from like 97 98 up until like uh i want to say early 2017 wrestlemania 17 yeah wrestlemania 17 would be the best way to point it out but here on one side you had wwf and you have this bona fide roster but you had a couple of people that maybe were out you had guys like triple h that before they they weren't the top guys but here they were giving them the opportunity on the wcw side world championship wrestling it was the opposing company and there, the ship was sinking. I was a, a huge WCW fan. So at this point, I was tuning, tuning into that show because I couldn't watch this one. I couldn't watch the, the Raw shows, right, every Monday. And it was just not a good thing. So Ryan, because I know you're the, you're sort of the person that began watching wrestling sort of after this period, but then you're going back and watching Royal Rumble 2000, what do you think of it?
2: So, Yeah. I started watching wrestling in this year, in in 2000, but it wasn't until like the fall, around October, that I was really getting into it. But I do remember my friend having this show, and I was able to go back and enjoy it. Coming back to it now, overall, I thought it was a pretty enjoyable show it's really a two-match show you're talking about the Rumble you're talking about Triple H versus Cactus Jack everything else was kind of you know just there Um, I will say some of the losses in terms of who was not available for the roster at the time either due to injuries or whatever was definitely felt around this time I think they were definitely feeling that there was uh, a little bit of missing star power but certainly you had, you know, the rock there to kind of fill in. But just in terms of overall show, like I said, I felt it was very much a two match show. But I will say that my number one praise of this show is it knew where to spend its time. That the things that, except for one segment, except for one segment, it knew where to spend its time, you know, Kurt Angle doing his little open challenge. They don't waste your time. Those matches are really quick. Every other match that you would think people probably wouldn't care as much about, they didn't spend that much time on it. Something I think that modern day wrestling could learn a lot from oh, yeah. in the past is if you know people aren't that interested in it, don't waste their time. Don't spend too much time on it. And I think that's what this show did great, aside from one segment, of course, is just time out the show perfectly. and it's been- true. It's
0: true. In your case, how many times would you say you've watched this? I'm not talking about Cactus Jack versus Triple H because that's like one of your top five matches overall. What would you say uh, that number looks like?
1: If you include the Royal Rumble match in it, it's, I would say, around 10, 15 times, but I haven't gone back and watched the undercard of this show very often. Maybe that's only two or three times because it's very much like Ryan said. It is... A two-match show. I wouldn't make the case that you could even call it a three-match show with the uh, the tag team tables match. But they do a very good job of just focusing time where there needs to be time. And um, I'm trying to think of the word here. Words, Almost Keith. Like, words, you you know, word, words are really hard. You can do you, it. Um, I can do it. Like, there are weak points on this show, and they don't make you sit there and watch the weak points just because this is how they've slotted out the time. They were, they were so much better at that in old WWF. Like, now, it's almost a case of bigger isn't always better. We're getting these very long shows, three- or four-hour shows in modern-day WWE, where they basically did everything they needed to do in this show in about two hours and 40 minutes. It's a huge difference, and it was great to watch. It's just so much more consumable than modern-day wrestling.
0: Yeah, for those who don't know, sometimes now WWE, which is still the same company, has shows that last over five hours, and that does not include pre-show. So you can be looking at upwards Yeah, you're looking to at two-hour pre-show. WrestleMania yeah. can
2: go to seven hours.
0: It is ridiculous. Like. I can I can watch my favorite movie, but there's only so much that I'm willing to take. And I think that another reason, you know, as we actually talk more details about the show, it's like the atmosphere in Madison Square Garden, in New York, in the Attitude era, this is peak wrestling, right? Not just peak wrestling, it's the peak wrestling audience because the New York audience for wrestling has always been like super rabid, like wild, but because it's the Rumble, you have an international flavor. You have people traveling all around the world. You look at those fan signs. So It's like, it could be the crappiest match out there, but the feel, the vibe, it just makes it absolutely awesome.
1: It was, it got to, this was the point where the WWF was the only game in town. Like, yes, WCW existed, but the WWF was just so far ahead of it so that it wasn't even competition. It's very much like WWF versus TNA back when that was a thing. And the fans showed it. it. It was before that the WWF knew that it was winning and just kind of gave up, and they were still trying really hard, and there was this lack of star power, but there was people rising up to fill that slot of the bald man that got hit by a vehicle two months earlier <laughs> <laughs> and just doing an incredible job of doing so. I think it's something that you really need to think about as a, like, as a wrestling fan going back and watching this show. There's, it feels like a giant time gap, but a month earlier, Triple H was, or it was that Vince McMahon versus Triple H match. The match that really put Triple H as the top guy. It's fascinating just how much of a difference there is in that month's time gap of like the perception of somebody like a triple h how um him and the rock and mick foley to a certain degree even though mick foley only had a couple matches left just came in and filled that void that stone cold steve austin left when he got hit by a car and it's it's great it's a wonderful show because of it
0: yeah and i think that when you look at the year 2000 and you talk about Triple H, you can make a lot of comparisons if people watch wrestling around 2006, 2010, to Edge. Edge was a tag team wrestler, but then they gave them that opportunity. The three of us, we were talking about that as it actually happened. Like, wow, Edge is going to become the top guy, but he was like in in that tag team with like E and C, and he's going to be the top guy. It's funny to realize that Triple H was in that spot, but as we begin the show... We kick it off with a video package. This has always been a tradition with uh, the WWF shows. But personally, I love the video packages that they did back in the day because they were like this B to C grade movie trailer where they even had voiceover like Triple H. And then they would put a quote. I am the game. Cactus Jack. Bang, bang. It's like they would do these little things. And was it was it kind of cheesy? Yeah, but guess what? We're talking about wrestling, that's kind of the whole thing. But it pumped you up. Even if you didn't know what the hell was going on, I was watching this sort of forgetting all of the context that you mentioned Keith, right? But you look at the video packages and it, it gets comes you warmed back up to
1: you immediately.
0: Exactly. Any thoughts about the uh video packages, not just the one with Cactus Jack and Triple H which was the personal issue, but what you think about those as a whole?
1: I mean, WWE has always been on another level when it comes to video packages promoting, uh, promoting their big matches and events. It's almost one of the greatest things about the WWE network—the fact that they've all been preserved on this service throughout time because they're just—they're special. They're really special.
2: Yeah, it's nice to—it's nice just see them during simpler times, you know. Like to see where where they came from, and yeah, back just... when we
1: didn't have LL Cool J introducing WrestleMania.
2: Yes, yeah, I I it it's nice to go back and just see when it didn't have to be so complicated.
0: Those were the days. So, uh, commentating the show, we have the team of Jerry the King Lawler and Jim Ross, which is like one of the most iconic teams. So you know, those are the two that really uh, deliver the whole process. This is the Attitude Era. So the King. Uh, definitely doesn't shy away from uh, the puppies' comments. The comments geared towards women, directly ma- making fun of people. But the, hey, that that was the king, right? What do you guys think about this commentary <laughs> team? At peakish oh, attitude era. Yeah,
2: a lot of King's stuff has not aged well.
1: He
0: was no, coming off
2: pretty racist at times. So I I yeah. am
1: blown away that the King doesn't re- maybe he does just receive like daily video clips of the things he used to say back in the day and just get scrutinized for it. Because my part- God, some of this stuff is awful.
0: Yeah, there was one part, uh it was during the Royal Rumble Kai and Tai, that's a tag team. Uh, they come out. <laughs> And uh, he says, like, oh, the, these Chinese wrestlers. Then Jim Ross says they're Japanese, and there's this he kept awkward doing that. silence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, Ooh. It's like, oh man, uh, it's the year two thousand. People, Twitter was a ways off, but then kicking off the show, match wise, holy crap! You you kind of forget about this. It is Kurt Angle who, up until this point, it's like they realized that Kurt Angle, actual bona fide Olympic gold medalist, won it with, I think a broken freaking neck i think that's the whole thing but he battled taz who for a very long time people loved him in ecw what better way to really have him transition to the wwf this was
1: taz's debut match
0: yeah crazy so it's like the perfect audience and this match is a huge deal for both guys because you have kurt angle who's still figuring out who he is but even here yeah, like, he'd only been crap. in the
1: company for a couple of months at
0: this point. He was still yeah. very much on the uh, the upward slope. Exactly. And then on the other side, you have Taz that on ECW, they did a pretty good job of like hiding the weaknesses. That was the thing about ECW, right? A lot of the guys in ECW, they weren't exactly large. So Taz comes into the WWE and is noticeably a shorter guy. Uh, Taz does win the match via Taz Mission. And up until this point, Kurt Angle was your undefeated American hero. So it's like a big thing. But one specific thing that we got to talk about this match, because Taz openly has said in interviews, hey, that spot right there cost me my career in terms like they were afraid. And one point during the match, he was going to give Kurt Angle a German suplex, like an overhead. It's like he grabs the guy from the back And instead of just like having him land on the back of his neck, the guy is supposed to flip over and land on his face, right? So there's a little bit of communication issues and it does look awkward, but apparently Vince McMahon saw that and they've talked about this openly. So this is not speculation. This actually happened. That was enough to have him be a little afraid of like, hey, these ECW guys, what are are we talking about? But as a whole, what you think about the match and that possibly dangerous spot that luckily nothing happened, but it very much uh, could have.
2: Uh, For this match, again, going back to, I like that they kept it short. It was a nice, fun debut for Taz. Like you said, there is that one little slip up where he's trying to do that uh, German suplex, if you will. Um, (laughs) And it just doesn't end (laughs) up, yeah, there's kind of a, a, a hesitation there. Other than that, it was fun because they played off of, hey, he choked him out, so it's not technically legal because choking, direct choking, is supposed to be against the rules of wrestling. You're supposed to do like some sort of weird um, pressure that would be like a sleeper hold or something instead of actually just straight-up choking them. So they had a, a part where... Angle could position himself as hey, I didn't actually lose, but you also give Taz the win. So I thought that was a creative way to do it and just a really strong way to to debut a character and you're doing it in New York. Where, see, if you had done this in most other arenas, people may not know who Taz is. But when you're in New York, these are diehard wrestling fans. They know a lot. Even though the internet's in in its infancy, I'm sure a lot of people knew about what was going on. And they knew about ECW. Oh, absolutely. So it was a great place for Taz to get a nice reaction.
1: Yeah, it just ends up being disappointing from that slip-up and what ended up happening with Taz. It really showed the difference between the WWF and ECW at that point. How, I mean, in ECW, you could drop a guy on your head eight times in a match and nobody would look the other way, but you need to be careful in places like the WWF, and it always makes you wonder what could have been for Taz. I think that, hey, Taz ended up A-OK, but from a wrestling side, it did really derail his career. Because, I mean, go fast forward a few months and Taz is the guy. Taz is the guy that beat Kurt Angle in the Royal Rumble. Taz was in one of the worst matches ever in a multi-man hardcore match at WrestleMania a few months later. It just showed that hesitation in full force, and it's disappointing.
0: Yeah, and I think that... This is uh like the year 2000-2001 is really good for anybody that doesn't understand wrestling, but they want to get like, what's the difference between ECW, WCW, and WWE? A lot of times when guys would make that transition from WCW or ECW to the WWE, matches would be different. That's when you could tell like, hey, somebody maybe hits a little harder than they should, or wow, that looks really, really awful. So there is that transitional period which does take us to the next part so uh, we go backstage michael cole still involved in wwe to this day uh, actively one of the most <laughs> like just, uh,
2: little old michael cole yeah it's, he looks like a, a baby <laughs> here like young, he's like the he really master
0: does. now but the hair people the hair holy crap he interviews uh, terry runnels and the hardy boys because they're gonna go in a tag team match with the Dudley Boys, a tag team tables match. So two two uh, teams that definitely just like synonymous with tables, ladders, and chairs. It's New York talking about ECW. You do have the Dudley Boys that still have that homecoming crowd of ECW, of uh, New York, I should say. Uh, what do you guys think about this match that... I don't think really gets talked about a lot. You you see clips from this match, like Jeff Hardy jumping off with the senton bomb, uh, later the swanton bomb, but this is kind of forgotten in the grand scheme of ladders and tables matches, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Talk, and to go back a little bit, talk about two people that made the ECW to WWF transition perfectly. The Dudley boys. It seemed like they had been there for years at the point of this match. And, It's really, I think, I love this match, I think it's a great match, I just think it doesn't get talked about because of how high and how insane the stakes got between these teams, because this is really, like, TLC hadn't happened yet, TLC would come later that year, they would have an amazing ladder match at WrestleMania a few months from now, this is almost like a extreme baby step of where they would go and it's a phenomenal match that should get talked about more all from a positive way that it really showcased the Hardy Boys and the Dudley Boys and in a negative way of this is why chair shots don't happen anymore because my god some of the chair shots that Bubba Ray Dudley took in this match I am amazed that he can form sentences at this point in 2020 because those are brutal yeah, this match it's just a
2: car crash from start to finish, pretty much. And I think you guys basically pointed it out that I mean at the end of the day, there's just more memorable matches, so this just kinda gets glossed over in the history of you know Dudley Boys, Hardy Boys, and Edge and Christian. This uh I, I wasn't necessarily super fond of how they handled the tag team table match in this. I felt like it was a little awkward.
1: <laughs> (laughs) Because I don't I think this is the first one, and that's why that is, because through most of the match it felt like JR and King didn't even know the rules. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) I think
2: that is what took away from this match for me is the fact that they couldn't understand basically what was going on. And it's a little weird that if you get put through a table, they were still kind of hanging around. Yeah, so to clarify,
0: yeah, that was the whole thing. Like usually in a tables match, I get put through table by my opponent, I lose the match. But in here, it's a tag team one. So we have Matt and Jeff and Bubba and Devon on on the other side. So say Matt Hardy got eliminated. He could totally still be in the match. Like he was he was just like the first one eliminated. So if Jeff Hardy was put through a table, then the team would lose. But it was like oh, I got put through, but I guess I'm I'm still involved, so it's like maybe a way to keep the action going, yeah. but I kind of like it, it because weird. it
1: almost adds this, like, defense element to a tables match, where, True. okay, I'm I, just done, but now I've got to make sure my partner, yeah, in the world of wrestling, it where It just scripted. came off as very, very messy,
2: and I think that was the biggest thing that took it away from me, was that it, it it was a little nonsensical on how it was ruled out. I don't recall how they do a match like this today, but I would feel like the ref would send them to the back or something yeah, if they were 100%. put through. I, yeah. So they, they've learned their lesson since then. Um, So that was kind of the thing. It's there's some great spots that you can put in a highlight package, but as far as the full match itself, I can see why it's not really highlighted in the same way as the ones to come because they only refined and improved that formula going forward.
0: Yeah. So as I mentioned in this match, the Hardy boys do win via a Swanton bomb uh, through the tables. Like this is a clip that still gets used to this day. Like you talk about tables matches Obviously, the resolution is not the same as glorious 1080p or something like that, but we do have that. It's end. in a lot
2: of those don't try this at home. Yeah. Packages. <laughs> yep.
0: Oh, man, I'm looking I at mean, the I mean, that's agenda. just Jeff Hardy. Yeah, Guys, we, we got to talk about some stuff now, responsibly. People, oh, you
1: mean uh, an Intercontinental title triple threat match, right? Because
0: yeah, we're that, just going to block out 30 minutes of the show. That is technically the, the, the show. Third match, but people... Oh. attitude era in professional wrestling let, let's just say a woman's place in wrestling at this point with the exception of china was uh you better look good because we don't care about your thought process or what you really have to say that was pretty mm-hmm. much it and, and at least i appreciate their up. honesty but holy crap people it was let bad. me
1: line this up perfectly where a month earlier at armageddon the cat who was in this next segment, won the women's title and then flashed her breasts on pay-per-view. That's where we are with the women's division. The women's champion is just going tits out on pay-per-view.
2: That <laughs> Pretty was... Pretty much, so... Yeah, I, you know, those... I'm sure that was the most downloaded thing on... Uh, <laughs> line, well, it wasn't even LimeWire at the time. It was like Kazaa. Kazai. Yeah.
0: yeah. Holy crap. I haven't heard that name in a while. So it is... The Miss Rumble Contest, people, featuring The first Ivory.
2: annual. The first how many annual. More, how many more did we see after that?
0: A
1: fat goose
0: egg.
2: <laughs> Based oh, on how man. this one went, there's, it's no surprise why we never saw another one again.
0: <laughs> so it was Ivory, Terry Runnels, Jacqueline, uh, Bebe. First uh, who's of all, who, Beebe? The <laughs> yeah. Beebe. who the fuck is Beely? BB. Who the fuck is Bebe? Um... <laughs>
1: If I remember correctly, she was like a Sable super fan that eventually got on television. She was like Sable's bodyguard and then Sable left and then the WWE was like, "Well, what the fuck do we do with BB?" <laughs>
2: wow. Well, but I so when I saw her come out, I'm like, "I'm going to ask this question in the podcast." And I don't, I don't know whether you guys are going to be like, how do you not know who this is? Or you're going to agree with me? Because I'm like, I've never heard of this woman in my
0: life. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, man. But then we have uh, Luna Vachon, who is like, I mean, that's definitely a recognizable Superstar Wrestling. We have the cat. So something else I realized is like, Andy freaking Richter is a guest judge here. And he looks like yeah. a little kid. I am so used to him, like, nowadays, you know, how he looks, but, you know, talking about Conan O'Brien and all that stuff, like, Andy Richter's there, but then May Young actually steals the show. May Young's freaking awesome, people. Like, yeah, we actually got to see some puppies, it was censored, so May Young, probably, like, 125 years old th- at this point, um, she oh, came out as man. well, we got to see her glorious, bodacious bod. She flashed her boobies once she won because the judges, rightfully so, voted for Mae Young and can you can you blame them? Let's let's be real no, people. We got to talk about what Andy May. Richter like it's He's gonna be mad.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean for the troll factor alone, I appreciate that they let Mae Young win this one. It w- because anyone else wins and this segment falls even flatter on its face because even the crowd, even this is attitude era, and the crowd did not seem that interested, except for maybe the cat. But even then like that like the king freaking out over bubble wrap I I don't get it, you know.
0: I don't know, but we got that out the of context contest. sentences. Yeah. <laughs> then after that the coach was this his first appearance because they made it seem like it. Oh, it
1: was little baby Jonathan Coachman. Oh, he was so little. Oh, he was he adorable. He's so little in this.
0: Yeah, so for those that don't know, the WWF actually had a restaurant that as a kid I always wanted to go there. Apparently, the food sucked. So people were like, hey, of it, there's a is. reason that that place closed down. But he was there, and holy crap, those fans were about to murder they were the poor the hell guy. Out of yeah, in his very first appearance. That's pretty much all I got to say about that. So now we move on to maybe one of the more interesting matches. And this one. Uh, it, there's a lot of context. So it's a triple threat match, intercontinental championship. So we have dual champions right now, right now between uh, Chris Jericho and China. They're two thirds. And then the third participant is Hardcore Holly. Hardcore Holly, like when you think about the Attitude Era, nobody immediately goes, like, Hey, Hardcore Holly. <laughs> but he was always kind of there. And I have actually heard his audiobook because I thought it was interesting. It actually was. And this was like a, he was apparently so annoyed backstage that he never got championship opportunities, got a push. So they put him in these spots, but man, the guy just could not blend. Like he was a star, whereas everybody else was a superstar. So what do you think about this combination of Chris Jericho, China, who is a woman in the Attitude Era wrestling men, and you have Hardcore Holly. What, what mm-hmm. a combo, right?
1: It's <laughs> a match made in heaven, but it did feel like... it's. This match is a great example of you can always tell why some people get Opportunities and some don't. And I mean no offense to Hardcore Holly on this one, but it felt like he was wrestling his own match in there, where Chris Jericho and China were there to do their thing, and then here's Bob in the other corner just kinda wrestling his own match and doing his own thing, and it felt very uh very out of place in the match, and I enjoyed I enjoyed the whole Chris Jericho China aspect of it. It's something that I look back at very fondly, this few between Chris Jericho and China, and just how much fun it is because it really showed off the personality of Chris Jericho, that thing that he was most known for in WCW, my opinion. Like, yes, he had great matches, but the personality of Jericho is what made him a star. Um, like, basically, um... Even though WCW tried not to and gave him every reason or every opportunity to fail, that personality just shunned through in that company. And you started to see it here with Chris Jericho and China. And I really loved that video package again, talking about the WWF video packages of just showing this feud and the crazy situations between China and Jericho and the intercontinental title here. And all's well that ends well Jericho ends up winning in a it's not an amazing match but it was a good match and it was a match that had exactly the right amount of time that it needed to have it didn't drag and it's just such a it's sad that the uh the measuring stick these days versus uh old wrestling versus new wrestling is the fact that something doesn't drag and you love it for it but I did love it for it so for this match, again, I think a lot of things with the attitude era
2: outside of a lot of the main event matches or some of the the, you know, tr- triangle uh, tag matches that were super memorable from this time, it was more about the story than the match, right? And I, I think this is another case here where you needed a resolution to this co-champion intercontinental thing where tr- Chris Jericho and China were sharing the Intercontinental title. So you got some resolution with Jericho becoming the definitive intercontinental champion but as a quick aside to come back to what keith said for match times just to let everyone know every match up to now like here's the times okay the taz and kurt angle match was three minutes and 15 seconds hardy boys uh dudley boys match was 10 minutes 18 seconds this match seven minutes and 31 seconds it's perfect. They're not yeah. spending too much
1: time on these. They it's, got it's, in it's there, they did thing. what they needed to do, and they got out.
0: And I think a big reason why wrestling nowadays is kind of like stale. Is because every match tries to be the best match of the night. And I feel like a lot of wrestlers have talked about this, that, hey, when every match tries to be the very best, they're, they're all kind of samey here. Mm-hmm. I'd like to put a hard, pause on, on this conversation.
1: I'd like to put a pause on this conversation until a couple of matches down. Awesome. Let's do we'll it, We'll get man. back Okay. It.
0: Okay. So then after this, uh, we do have the uh, tag team championship match. How how long was this match before I even talked about it? Me, this was
1: two minutes and 39 yeah. seconds. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the video package for this match was longer than
0: the <laughs> <match>. <laughs> which was weird. Okay, so we have the champions, the New Age Outlaws, so Billy Gunn, the Road Dogg, uh, the uh, D-O-Double-G, taking on the Acolytes, Farouk and Bradshaw. And they try to build this up. Like, the New Age Outlaws are super afraid of the APA. They're open about that. I forgot how short this match was. I'm like, man, this is going to be a bar burner. Wait a minute. What? It's over? So, just Didn't like Didn't get to
1: like the damn match.
0: Yeah. It's like, uh, I have no notes about this match other than the champions retained, right? Like, after some shady stuff, X-Pac got involved because that's that's what X-Pac does. He, he gets involved in things. <laughs> <laughs> um What did you guys think about the video package?
1: (laughs) It was a great hype to this match. I'm... It... Watching this in a bubble, it was almost disappointing that the match was as short as it was. This is a case where it's almost the opposite, because they built a good story going up into this match of the APA just want to beat some ass, and then here's the New Age outlaws that are afraid of them. <laughs> well, I or, have or heard or that they're always ass. pounding ass, so <laughs> always, it, it does always it does go along with that. Ass.
2: My, my feelings were, uh, I don't really care about this
0: match. Oh, good. It's over. Sweet. We're moving on. <laughs> All right. They got paid, probably, perhaps. So And always
1: pounded out. Put it this
0: way. <laughs> I think we've talked about this match longer y- we than did, the length of the actual match. And it's still going and going. And let's move on to the next match now. So here we go. Keith. Now we're uh, in the actually, good stuff. Y- you know what? You get to introduce this next one. What do we have?
1: All right. This next match is for the WWF Championship. It's probably my favorite match of all time it's triple h versus cactus jack this is uh this is a moment like i mentioned earlier that uh, triple h was on the incline at this point he wasn't really a proven champion a few months earlier he had won that wwf championship for the first time and he was really Earning his spot as a top guy. He had just beaten Vince McMahon half to death a month before, and we were at the very uh, infancy of the McMahon Helmsley era going into this match. And this is the match, as far as I'm concerned, opinions might be different, but this is the match that put Triple H on the map. If this match hadn't existed, I don't think we would have the reign of terror. So if you hate that, I guess sorry for that. Uh but this is a match that just made Triple H. He turned he this is where he became a superstar in comparison to just a wrestler. Game. He became the the cerebral game. Game. Oh. fathan in this match and Jack Swagger Yeah, on your knees, but <laughs> just my god the things that these two do to each other in this match are just there's probably a reason why it hasn't happened again i i imagine out of context that sounds awful but <laughs> just like, you oh, go from the, on your to the things they would do mm-hmm. to each other oh the brutality i loved it what before i like get into why i love this match so much what did you guys think of it do you hold it in the same regard that
0: i do Um, So in my case, I was trying to figure out why I enjoyed this match so much because even though it was violent, a lot of stuff happened. You didn't have big moves, right? It really was punches and kicks and basic suplexes.
1: I guess one thing to note before you go on is that it was a street fight. This match is a street fight, not a regular one-on-one match. And yeah, they made no disqualifications, (laughs) weapons are legal.
0: Exactly. Everything goes... And uh, the same thing that we talked about, APA and NAO, how they enough, applies here. It's like when you build a story, whether the match is long or short, you're interested in it. You're curious about it because you see Triple H, who has everything to prove because of the position he's at and the growth of himself and the company. And then on the opposite side, you have McFoley Foley slash Do Love slash Mankind slash Cactus Jack. You know that his career is going down. Like you know, like there's not a lot more time that we're going to have McFoley on a semi-full time basis. So it's like passing up the torch in this very violent match in Madison Square Garden. And I think it's like all the all the stars were aligned. And what I loved about the match is like the facial expressions. You you saw the the zoom in at the very beginning of the match, and that right there, like the face that Cactus Jack made. I'm like, man. I don't know what's about to happen, but I cannot tune away. And I feel like that right there is lost because nowadays we focus on all the moves. Here, the moves only made the storytelling that much better. It's true. You can
1: boil it down to one line by Jim Ross uh, in the middle of the match of the fact that these guys are doing this to each other for the biggest prize in the game, the the World Wrestling Federation Championship, you just don't get storytelling like that anymore, where it's just now this... Uh, contest almost of big match after big match to finally see which is the big move that um, that puts the guy away this was just two guys telling a story and beating the living piss out of each other at the same time just basically bringing each other through hell just for the opportunity to walk away with the WWF championship
0: you just you don't get that anymore Ryan, you're, a, you're like a really big fan of McFoley, right?
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And this is one, again, since I started watching Wrestling Late, I had gone back and seen uh, at least two times before this. I remember way back in the, what was it? The WWE On Demand thing that they had, WWE 24-7. 24/7. I watched yeah. this match on that as well. So, yeah, this match was 26 minutes, 55 seconds, which is longer than all the other matches combined up up until this point uh, which is crazy but again this was the match everyone cared about aside from the rumble so they gave it the time that it needed and this was just two guys leaving it all in the ring and like like keith said this was a career-making match for triple h and i think a lot of people are of that opinion where you you saw this match and you were like this guy is legit Mick Foley brought the absolute best out of Triple H and it's like you said it's a street fight that yes there's some brutal spots there but it wasn't about the spots Um, of course you had things like barbed wire you had thumbtacks you had announcer tables chair shots handcuffs all that in there but it wasn't done in this overly exploitive way it was done as uh, you know, sort of just to thread the story together, and and that's why it works. And it's uh, it's still an incredible match that holds up very well to this day, um, as
1: one of the best hardcore matches ever. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just violence for the sake of violence. When they went to those extremes, they told a story in doing so. They managed to work a barbed wire. 2x4 into the story of Cactus Jack as a character where he just kept going back to it almost like he was possessed uh, um, whatchamacallit, using it on Triple H even if Triple H turned it around on him he just kept going back to that 2x4 and having Cactus Jack just screaming there like hit me with a steel chair and getting back up almost more enraged they called him like a bull at one point it's like a bull seeing red through um, this. steel chair just being able to take these things and have and having reason behind it even all the way down to the finish where they uh when triple h finally hit the pedigree in this match they really hyped up like my god nobody kicks out of the pedigree it's over boom cactus jack kicks out so what does triple h has to do well he has to take this deranged sick man and kick it up a level so i'm gonna pedigree you onto some thumbtacks there's that's a man getting thumbtacks basically thrown On into face. his face. Yeah, and they managed the to work that? a yeah number one who does that, but they managed to work a story into it, and I think that's what separates it from other just very or like the hardcore match, the death match type thing. Where just bring it out the
2: thumbtacks because that's what you do in a hardcore it, match. No, exactly, it was. It was no there was a a reason behind it and again something we brought up in our last um wrestling show review uh i think for SummerSlam, was this show again very good about not abusing the finisher kickouts that we you have Mm -hmm. won the entire show you save it for the championship match beautiful
0: beautiful yeah and i think that just uh, the visuals, once again, uh, Triple H, I think like he's always one of the wrestlers that people say, oh, name a great Triple H match, and I think people refer to him as like, he's not a moves guy, right? Like, Triple H doesn't do he's a story uh, 430 guy. Extreme Salt or anything like that. But, but at the man, same
1: time, I can name like 10 great Triple H matches off the exactly. top of my head right now.
0: And I mean, we went to WrestleMania, when you talk about the Hell in a Cell, it's like, He makes everything seem like a big deal, and I feel like a lot of wrestling loses that because, once again, they want to look flashy. And for context, I was curious about this. Because Ryan brought up the times for these matches, I went over to the 2019 Royal Rumble to get an idea of, like, hey, are we making stuff up? Like, are we just, like, you know, nostalgia, you know, uh, just forcing ourselves to think, like, the older stuff is better? So... Talking about the main show, all of the matches in the main Rumble show, with the exception of the Brock Lesnar versus Finn Balor match. And this is for last year. Yeah, this is for last year. They were over 10 minutes 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 17, 13, 13, an hour 12, 24 minutes, nine minutes, and then 57 minutes. So there is a huge difference there. And I'm not saying that the matches are bad or good, but if you notice, the numbers are very similar. And I feel like the fact that the the matches in this show, Rumble 2000, the fact that, hey, they didn't give the other matches a lot of time, made this one a big deal. Because it's like, here we go, and right after this, we got the Royal Rumble match. It's like the one-two punch that you wanted to see, and it delivered. Because, like, ultimately, you're buying this for the Rumble match and Cactus Jack versus Triple H. Did those two deliver? Yeah, in my opinion. So it got the job done. It it got the message across which does take us to the last match of the card, uh, which is the Royal Rumble match itself. Keith, um, talk to me about like, first of all, holy crap, a lot of people in this show are no longer with us. Uh, we've been talking about this on the Discord, thepast.com slash Discord, that so many of these superstars from the very beginning to the very end have sadly passed away. So I think that the Royal Rumble match, more so than the pay-per-views, is a reminder of like, damn, wrestlers do not last a long time, no, right?
1: Not at all. And I, you're right. Well, the royal, oh, go ahead.
2: No, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, and you know, wrestlers do a much better job these days of taking better care of themselves, but certainly it's really sad to see we're only looking back 20 years and a lot of these people were not that old at the mm-hmm. time. And I know at one point there was like six people in the ring. And Rikishi was the only one who is
1: still alive right now. And yeah. It's just like... I caught this that at another point. Really it was sad. It was like the big boss man, Bulldog, um, Test. Edge, Test in the ring. And you're like, wow. Viscero. Gangrel and Edge are like the only people yeah, that viscera. are still with us. Viscera. It's, uh, it's shocking, but for better or worse that's what i love about going back and watching royal rumble matches where it's very much a uh, it's a showcase it's of a what snapshot. wrestling yeah it's it's a it's a great snapshot of what wrestling was at this and time and what the roster was mm-hmm. because if you look at everybody in this match is who you there isn't a person on this roster that you don't consider an Attitude Era guy. When you think about, like, the core WWF of the Attitude Era, this Royal Rumble is just a laundry list of those guys. Like, I know later in 2000, we add people like the Radicals that really make up that uh, that core of the Attitude Era, but just the people that got the WWF to that point that they were uh that they were in a position that WCW just couldn't keep up anymore. This is the list. Those are the guys. And I think that's what I enjoy about this rumble match so much, being able to see this showcase of everybody that's really they're the heart of the quote unquote greatest era of wrestling. And side
2: note, sorry, side note here. Definitely, the video game WF No Mercy borrowed a lot of attires, I think, from this show. Oh, I, yeah. I f- like, Absolutely. a lot of the costumes that you see people wearing in No Mercy were taken from this Royal Rumble.
0: They really were, and I feel like it's an it's an insult if we talk about this match without talking about the Rocks promo earlier in the night. Holy crap, people. I mean, it's like... I feel like any show that we review that involves The Rock, we have a legal obligation to just say, "God damn it, you were freaking good at this." It's like, yeah, there are promo guys. There's like, there's like great promo people, and there's The Rock. It is just insulting <laughs> it's how much so better. Funny, he is I'm just than laughing to else. myself
1: thinking about it. Oh, it was so good. If you're yeah. gonna watch one thing from this show, even above the Triple H Cactus Jack match, go listen to that Rock promo.
0: He has the people in the palm of his hands because. Like uh, they're asking him, you know, who who are you most concerned about? He's like, if I can overcome crash and headbanger mosh, I can do it. But damn it, he does such a stupidly good job. It's his like, inflection. Man.
1: Where you just, yeah, he has people in the palm of his hands, and it's funny. It's not this overly serious thing at first, but The Rock had this ability to just, like, boom, flip a switch. All of a sudden, he's the most serious person on the planet, and you're just engaged with every word he needs to say. You just, you look at it at the end of it, and you're like, oh, right, that's why he's one of the best of all time. Yeah, okay, I get it.
0: Yep. So in this match, uh, the main focus really is on The Rock on one side and The Big Show on the other. And uh, just to roll off like a couple of the names, we mentioned some of them, but uh, it's going to be impossible to be like, hey, at number five, this person entered. So we have D'Lo Brown and Grandmaster Sexy started out. So for context, Grandmaster Sexy passed away a couple of years ago, and he is the real son of Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, we have Headbanger Mosh, Christian, Rikishi, Scotty Tuhati, Steve Blackman, uh, Viscera, Big Boss Man, Test, the British Bulldog. I've already mentioned like six people that passed away. It's it's stupid, ridiculous here. Uh, Gangrel, Edge, Bob Backlund, Chris Jericho, Crash Holly, uh, China, Farouk, Road Dogg, Al Snow, Val Venus, Prince Albert, Hardcore Holly, The Rock, Billy Gunn, Big Show, Bradshaw, Kane, The Godfather, and we ended with the the top dog, with X Pac, <laughs> what do you think of this combination? Like, if this is a snapshot, as you both mentioned, of the WWF in the year two thousand, looking at this roster, what kind of impression did it, did it give you?
2: It's, as I, I go was going to say, as I said earlier, you felt like some things were missing, uh, like you don't have Stone Cold and you don't have the Undertaker. So those are really big omissions that you feel because both of them were were injured at the time so the star power you you already had triple h and cactus jack doing their match so really it was down to the rock and the big show as the biggest names of course you also had kane in the mix as well and most of them did not come out till the very end of the match so Rikishi was like the most over guy at kind of the start where
1: people were really rooting for him did i didn't felt- bother anybody else the way jim ross kept saying Rikishi? Rakishi. 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 Yeah, it was it was a little weird.
2: I loved the whole dancing spot they did with Rakishi and Too Cool. That was like a really fun thing to do in the middle and people freaking loved that yeah. dance. That dance was so over like that was more especially over the, the most beginning part. On the it's roster. like
0: whatever, whatever you put your head down, it's like, oh man, <laughs> yeah. it's about to go down. Yeah, as soon as that those lights went hits. off, like
2: people just went insane. Um, so overall, I felt like the match was pretty good. But I did feel like once Rikishi got eliminated, they didn't really have a notable person in there for you to root for that much until you got to like towards the end. So I felt like the middle of it was kind of dull, but then it obviously picked up towards
1: the end. Mm -hmm. Even just beyond the roster itself, I think this Royal Rumble match uh, extends to being a good snapshot of wrestling at that time because it's mediocre. It's fun to go back and look at, but most of this match was mediocre. Very much like a typical wrestling match from the 2000s. A lot of the people in this match, with the exception of, like, uh the rock big show kane at the end is who would fill these normal three or four minute matches on monday night raw every week and just seeing them in this prolonged time some of them anyway it it felt weird and a little off because you're just so used to seeing them in these little segments and there was a severe lack of star power until the very end and uh it yeah. i mean a long had way.
2: Mr. Fuzzy Tits headbanger mosh but <laughs> yeah <laughs> like people, seriously what was that does anyone know yeah. the context behind that or was it's there just their, no
1: context to quote jim ross it was their alternative lifestyle <laughs> yeah so the headbangers
0: people they they were different clothing like you don't need to watch the match just look up headbanger royal rumble 2000 and yeah you're going to see some very very interesting outfits but that but, was
1: their gimmick at the time yeah. they were always come out in weird stuff they'd cut up promos like yeah i slept great i got three minutes last night and drank 42 energy drinks let's go and a bunch of and people weird loved stuff like that yeah wow. love is a strong word <laughs>
0: i feel like when you look at this uh roster when you think about the attitude era let me know what you think about this it's like there were there were always all these guys like look at Gangrel, Big Boss Man, Steve Blackman, Scotty Too Hoty, Too Cool as a whole. It's like you always think about them, right? But you don't necessarily buy a pay per view. You don't go back to like that incredible Too Cool match. But Name they your favorite. Scotty Too Hoty match. It was Scotty mm. Too Hoty versus Gangrel Inferno match, uh, No Mercy '95. <laughs> okay.
1: Great, people great it doesn't exist yeah. don't look it up
0: yeah i, I don't, don't think i can name one exist.
2: i would assume it's some sort of like tag team elimination match that they were barely a part of or something
0: the best of sunday uh, night yeah. heat the so scotty to hottie story i, I want to
2: bring this up and and like i said when i kind of referred to the, the kind of the dullness of sort of the middle of this match do you guys prefer sort of a more and i'm going to use heavy quotations here realistic or royal rumble where it's just guys coming in and you know they're just trying to eliminate each other but there's not really like a lot of planned spots because nowadays i feel like a lot of modern royal rumbles they're very timed to oh this guy comes out now this guy comes out and you've got some like planned spot to happen here and then we kind of go back to everyone just doing their own thing but then another planned spot happens i feel like aside from the rikishi thing and then towards the end it didn't feel like they had a lot of those like overly planned spots going high spots going on in the middle and for that it like just because we're so used to that style that's why it felt so dull
1: it it d- I think you're right in that respect but I do think I enjoy it more than the overly planned Royal Rumbles that we see these days like right now the WWE has a fetish of oh there's a record we can break in this Rumble well we got to break it and we got to mention it 18 times during the match and this was before that it, correct me if I'm wrong because I was making myself a snack at this time but there wasn't even a buy the numbers promo before this Royal Rumble no. match
0: no what they a did a count of like just general moments yeah. but nothing groundbreaking
1: no and and that was good they're
2: not overly like wanking themselves to their own history and stuff which i appreciated one thing i will say like in reference to the high spot thing uh, was i felt like when the rock came in he needed to do a little bit more like the crowd was so excited to see him he eliminates like one guy and then it's kind of like okay now i'm gonna sit in the corner and everyone's gonna try to push me out like if he had just like gone around hit like two other guys out of the ring the crowd would have just lost their minds I felt like they were waiting for just a little bit more from him and then it was just like three people just were trying to push him in
0: a corner and he's holding on to some ropes I think that in my case I do prefer the rumble matches they have now like uh, I stopped watching WWE regularly in 2016 17 right but the rumble is always awesome and the fact that they do have, like, these planned out spots in the Rumbles now, the good thing is, like, you can go into it, and they make it very obvious for, like, the casual yeah, like, viewer Kofi of what's do? happening. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right, whereas here, it's like, it's a lot of things happening, but nothing is happening at the same time. It's like, oh, there's The Rock, but he does a whole lot of nothing in the match. But there's The Rock, right? You have Kane. You have Jericho and China. They're They're having this feud, but it's kind of on the side. So it becomes like a big cluster. So other than, hey, it's cool to check out like the initial moments and who wins, I feel like the middle part of the older Rumble matches, I think that the 90s one, like the the early 90s, like everybody talks about Rumble 92. I would love uh, for that to be one of the next Rumbles that we review and then review one from like 2017, right? To just to look at like this whole thing of like early Rumble middle Rumble, later Rumble, and how much that has changed, because I think that would be a fun conversation.
1: Agreed. And before we get off the Royal Rumble match, I just want to give a quick shout out and a quick rest in peace to Takamichi Noku in this match, because my oh, god, man. he
2: dies in this yeah. match. I appreciated Kai and Tai coming in like every every ten minutes to just get eliminated again.
1: It's a it's a fun concept then, that they poor, never really see, explored.
2: Then, that's also the difference between WWE then and now. Is if they were to show that today, they would be talking about how. <laughs> like how dangerous it was and how like, oh, we're checking in on Takama Chinoku. The same ballet, this. folks. Yeah, yeah. Look at yeah. how brutal this is. Meanwhile, like because it's Takama Chinoku, King is just laughing at him. I'm like, this <laughs> dude's laughing at it and
1: like, show me again. Show me him dying yeah, again. It, it's yeah. like, yeah, Jesus, show
2: him getting a severe concussion one more time. <laughs> like, holy crap. Also, they said hospital. They said hospital right, multiple not, times. local faci- med- facility,
0: medical facilities. For those who don't
2: regularly watch WWE, the hospital is a no-no word now because yeah. somehow they think if I say, oh, he's taken to a hospital in New York, that a bunch of fans are going to try to go to, you know, New York's whatever, like general See, hospital. See, here's the, here's the difference and try, Yeah, that, and try and find him and, and give him like a get well card or something.
1: The difference between that is after that spot, you knew that the place that they were sending... <laughs> Of Michinoku, too, was the hospital. Yes. There was no other place he was heading after that. So, even if you said local medical facility, you could probably figure it out. Yeah. And uh,
2: just for posterity, this match was 51 minutes and 54 seconds.
0: Mm-hmm. So, we have all they the time. They even kept so. it
1: under an hour.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, the Rock was the person that people wanted to see win. <clears throat> and I'm losing my voice. And uh, he did win the match. So, Nothing surprising, the only surprising entrant was Bob Backlund. Like, nowadays, yeah. it's like, I feel like a good 20% of the Rumble participants are from NXT. They're legends. They try to pull back, right? To like, hey, who can we get as a surprise? Yeah. But They here- also didn't
2: have, like, an, in. An, and I quote again, Iron Man of the match, where it's someone who basically lasts almost the full match. That's like a tradition. It basically, when we talk about more formulaic r- Rumbles and planned out stuff... There's kind of a few things that go in, and Test it's like, okay, there's who someone who's going to get a ridiculous amount of eliminations. Kofi Kingston is the guy who's going to have the surprising way to get back in the ring without be el- being eliminated. There's going to be an Iron Man in the match, aka the guy who will last close to or over an hour. There's a lot of these like tropes now that we expect, and this match didn't really have a lot of those. Yeah,
1: so, Quick question. Do you guys know anything about the Royal Rumble match that's happening tonight as of this recording? Nope. Not a damn clue. So, what if I told you? How, how, tell me how you think this is going to go. Brock Lesnar is entering the Royal Rumble number one. Oh, I did hear this about that, oh, actually.
0: Yeah. Forgot about that, yeah. So, Brock Lesnar is currently uh, the WWE champion. Usually, Correct. you go into the Rumble to face the champion. You win, you face the champion at Mania. So, Brock Lesnar is going to begin the Rumble as the champion, as the very first entrant, because if he wins, he gets to point at himself, people. He's going to battle himself. Yeah, what himself. happens
2: if he wins? Have they addressed that? And then
0: he, he doesn't have an save.
2: opponent at WrestleMania. Yeah, he, he doesn't he have gets, one. He gets like a bye
0: week on WrestleMania, yeah, pretty much. I'll be real. I love that concept because this but is going But he doesn't be... lose the title if he loses? Nope. It's not for the uh,
1: championship. It's yeah. just for the title shot at WrestleMania. Is this
0: is going to be the longest match Brock Lesnar has had in over a decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Think about Unless that. Unless he just eliminates he, himself. Yeah. Unless he
2: gets eliminated early. He'll go under the bottom rope and come back at the end of the night.
0: He's going to get the Heath Slater or Crash Holly spot. He's going to just like disappear and appear at a convenience, but... Uh, Talking about Rumble 2000, now that we've gone match by match, is this a show that you would suggest? Like Rumble 2001 is one of my personal favorites, the one that's a year after. The Drew Carey one. Yeah, the Drew Carey one. That's honestly my favorite thing about it. I love the stage. I love Kane looked like a badass in that show. Scotty Duhati had a really good spot with Kane and Taker. Would you recommend this as the one to watch in the Attitude Era? Or would you kind of just be like, hey, I pick and choose some stuff, but you don't need to watch the whole thing?
1: Would I choose this Royal Rumble match first? No. I think I would choose either 2001, like you mentioned, or 1998 when Stone Cold Steve Austin was just white hot. But this event... I would say yes, I would recommend this event over most pay-per-views in the Attitude Era, mostly because of Triple H versus Cactus Jack. I do think if you take the combination of Triple H, Cactus Jack, and the Royal Rumble match, it's a very good one-two punch of uh, of matches, but to just think about the Rumble match on its own, it's actually pretty low on the recommendation list. It's a fun watch! It's a really fun watch, especially for poor Michinoku, Michinoku. but it's not very high on the recommendation list just by itself. At the end of the day, just watch Triple H versus Cactus
2: Jack. It is it is the thing that is most worth your time if you have to watch one thing on this show. So that's what I would suggest.
0: Same thing. Check out maybe the tables match just so you get a context of like, hey, here's like the one of the not so memorable tables ladders or just tables matches that you can check out. But Everybody watching and listening, uh, please let us know, you know, what do you think about uh, the Royal Rumble 2000 pay-per-view? A lot of you, based on some damn analytics, like maybe you didn't even watch wrestling at this time. We've had people, and shout out to those, you know who you are, that have said, hey, I listened to the podcast, but I don't even like wrestling, but I like the wrestling episodes because I have a family member that does like to watch that. So it's like uh, some some context. So we're helping you bond, get along with your family, people. So if you like the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, even on Facebook. Share a couple of the clips and join uh, the Discord. You know, we have some pretty good stuff that we're going to be talking about this year, including some uh, follow-ups to games we played last year. Keith, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Could you, could you hint at some or maybe one game that we will be playing and reviewing at some point of the year. You don't got to give it no dates in case something goes wrong. We don't want to jinx it, but <laughs> I am putting you on the spot, my friend. Reveal, give people a taste. What, what what do we got going on?
1: Let me tell you about a story about a man in a black trench coat and a rocket launcher and he really loves looking up to the star the sky and seeing stars. It's resident Probably. evil 3 people it's resident evil 3 we're, i'm fighting to play yeah. that one
0: <laughs> yeah so last year we talked about the original re2 on the ps1 so this year because we're going to be having the resident evil 3 remake we thought hey you know let's follow up which Orion. by the way
1: that nemesis trailer holy oh, shit man.
0: oh so my god good have you it's checked terrifying. that out ryan at least the trailer. I have not. So freaking good! I mean, oh, it is it is such I'm good so shit afraid. as Vince McMahon would say. <laughs> that but, Nemesis is good shit. man. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, uh, ask the person that you know you come from the Silent Hill family. You played RE2 on the PS1. You loved it, and you did want to play more. Uh, how do you feel about the fact that we are going to go back to the PS1 and play Resident Evil 3 Nemesis?
2: I'm excited because this is the one I wanted to play anyway, so I think it works out perfectly for me.
0: Awesome! Well, Ted, did you, <laughs> I, did I you hope you he said good things. My internet just closed, uh, people. So yep, I will listen to okay. whatever Ryan said. It's like the most badass, Keith. What you think what, about what Ryan? Well, no, said? what
2: I said. Hold on. Now that right. you could hear me now, what I did say was, "This is the one I was going to play anyway." So I'm excited because naturally I would have played it. So now I get to talk about it with you guys. So works out great.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So people, uh, don't be afraid the same way that we did the reacting to Games that came out 20 years ago. Uh, you know, we could do something related to that. It's impossible to spend an entire year reviewing 20 games when we talk about yeah. games, and movies, and And maybe we and review wrestlings. a Survivor
2: Series because at this point we've done all the big four, right? Yeah, or we've we, done yeah, the other no, no, year. right. We've got yeah, Survivor we did a Mania, we did a SummerSlam, right. and a Rumble. So I guess Survivor I Series about, is next.
0: I completely forgot about our WrestleMania review. I'm like SummerSlam was the, was the first one. Oh, I Oh, are you memory. talking
1: about WrestleMania 13? currently available in the cast of the past archive. At, it is available. wasn't it was, on, on, on iTunes, Stitcher. No, we did WrestleMania 14. You're right, yeah. WrestleMania 14, where the yeah, Attitude 14. Era began,
0: huh? shit <laughs> Iron Mike my pass and right. I think
2: it's I think we gotta wrap this up. I think we're we're we just are getting gonna sluffy. wrap this up mm-hmm. if anybody
0: knows who BB is, please uh, hit right on Twitter I know that uh Wikipedia is a thing, but help Ryan out yeah. McNulty, who the hell is BB <laughs> and then join
1: me <laughs> with pouring one out for Takamichinoku. <laughs>
0: rest in peace <laughs> never forget the talk of, he's still alive people I yeah he, wait. <laughs> he is still yes, alive people he, he, jo- he just Michinoku
1: drove himself into the map
0: and I'm not even joking about this like it, it's sad a about going into a show like this a cast the, past, past words Ryan yeah. words this end of, the end of BB. this
1: show is like the beginning of Mick Foley's theme at this point my god we need to end it it's a it. car
0: crash